Well, again, welcome to Life Church. It's so good to have everybody here on this 4th of July weekend. My name is Noel Miller, and I'm one of the staff pastors. I'm the family focus director here at Life Church, which means I have the incredible privilege of partnering with parents of teenagers all the way down to parents of newborns. And so we get to work together to figure out how to make this generation all that God intends it to be. And it is just such an honor and a privilege to be able to do that. Not only to be able to have and serve in that way here at Life Church, but just to even be here. Uh, you know, Kevin and I were talking the other day, and we've been in ministry now for four and a half years, which isn't necessarily the longest amount, but we've been able to do that all in one place. And it's been here at Life Church and in this house, and it. It's just an incredible honor uh, to be able to serve here and, and be a part of a church that um, is literally changing the world um, and changing their community and, and being a part of that. And it, it's just an honor. You know, if you would have told me as like a 21-year-old Bible college student that this would be where we would be and, and how life would be, I would have just, I wouldn't have believed you. To be in beautiful Wisconsin in the summer away from that heat. I mean, I'm telling y'all, I wake up every morning, 72 degrees, and I'm like, thank you, Lord, you do love me, right? Um, I'm from the south, and so to get away from that heat is just awesome. So it's just great. I mean, have we, we've all been there before, right? Where you've had that moment where you look back 10 years, you look back 20 years, and uh, and you think, wow, man, I, I would have never guessed that this would be where I am today. And But when in looking back at it, you can say, okay, but yeah, here's, okay, I see how God did that there, and and here's where God made that connection, and and here's where he did that, and you look back on it, and you say, okay, I see where God was, but in the time, I had no idea that this is where I'd be, or maybe you are in that place where, have you ever had that moment where you know, hey, this is the moment that's going to change my life, or this is a moment that I'll never forget, or, or a moment that I know will change the direction that I'm going in. You know, as a, as a married uh, woman, I've been married now for six years, and my husband and I will sometimes have, you know, uh, family discussions, we like to call them, uh, spousal discussions, uh, if you will. We both are very passionate people, and uh, so we, you know, get into an occasional discussion. And uh, we'll be in this moment, you know, and I'll say this sentence, and I'm like, we were going this direction, um, but now because I said this sentence, we're going to be going a completely different direction now. And you just want to take back that. I know I have some ladies in here that agree with me. That just that adjective, that sentence, if I could just take that back, we could start over and it'd be all right. Or maybe you're like me, your mom. I'm a, I'm a mom of a toddler and I absolutely love it. Like I love the stage that we're in right now with our son. And, and you're know, growing up, my mom used to always tell me, hey, you would embarrass me at restaurants in front of my friends and like all that kind of stuff as a toddler. Well, my son, he doesn't do that. He doesn't embarrass me at restaurants. He doesn't, you know, with friends and stuff. He chooses to embarrass me in public restrooms. Uh, When he sees that public restroom sign as we're potty training, it is like on. He's like, I got you, mom. And, you know, I'm trying to like go in and out as fast as we can. And it's just, he's embarrassing, you know, moments like that. But he's all boy, 100% boy, jumps from couch to couch. It's just crazy. And so Kevin and I will be getting ready for the day. And we're like, we have all these plans um, for the end of the day to go out to dinner with our friends or something like that. And our son will knock heads with somebody else. And all of a sudden we're in the ER. And you know, in that moment, right? Like that was the moment that changed the direction of your day. Or maybe for you, it's a little bit bigger than that. It's when you chose the spouse that you're going to marry. You knew, hey, this is a moment that will change my life forever or the profession that you took or the business decision you made. There are some moments in time where you know in that particular moment it's going to change your direction or or the the process of your life or your season or maybe even of your day. 
And we see moments like that all throughout the Bible. In the Bible, you, you see moments where Jesus shows up, he performs a miracle, he heals the sick, and in that particular moment, that person's life is changed forever. He, he casts out the demons, he speaks life over a certain situation, and in that moment, it's completely changed. It's not like something that they have to look back on or, or anything like that. They know in that moment, and we know as the reader, in that moment, their life was changed forever. But I really enjoy the moments that we read about in the Bible where God presents an opportunity and it's human choice, our decision, that changes the moment, right? So Jesus shows up and he presents an opportunity and in that opportunity, the choice that we have as individuals, that's what changes the course of our direction. It's our choice, our human initiative. And we're gonna look at that today in our Bible. So if you have your Bibles with me, uh, turn today to Matthew 14. Matthew 14. As you're turning there or texting there or however you get there today, um, I hope everybody enjoyed your 4th of July. I hope you got to spend it with friends and family and enjoy the parades and the fireworks and just remembering that the amazing country that we live in. And I hope you had a great time. I have family in town actually. And so I got to spend time with family. My uh, brother and my cousin and my mother-in-law are here. My brother is single. Um, he is 14. You will have to go through me. Just giving him a shout out. Uh, he's going to kill me later, but it's okay. Uh, my cousin is also single, but uh, my uncle would kill me. So let's just uh, let's get to, into the word today. Matthew 14, verse 22. It says this. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land. As a mom, I feel like I have those meanwhile moments a lot. You know what I'm saying? Mom's cooking dinner. Meanwhile, her son is painting the walls, right? You know, anybody else? Mom's driving to work. Meanwhile, you have Cheerios in the back of your head, right? Uh, it's just me, I guess. Meanwhile, the disciples are in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning when Jesus came towards them walking on water, when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage, I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat, walked on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out, grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshiped him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. Let's pray. Jesus, we just thank you so much that your word is true and alive today. God, we thank you that you have the ability to speak to us wherever we're at. God, so here at the Germantown campus or online or at our West campus or Appleton campus, God, you have the ability to speak to us right where we are, God. So I just pray today that you would touch our lives in a way that only you can. And it's in your mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. I have a, a little confession to make. Um, I've probably said this before, but I am slightly addicted to sports. Okay, so I love watching sports. I love playing sports. Not golf, because it's not really a sport. Uh, don't tell anybody I said that. Whoa, burn. Anyways, um, so 
I love I love everything there is about sports, okay? And I do enjoy watching them, like I said. And, and you know, the other day the World Cup's on and U.S. is playing Belgium and it's around dinner time. And so I'm trying to cook dinner. I have a friend over and I found myself at one point standing on top of my couch with a bowl and I'm just like, no, you know, and it's like so close. Like they hit the goalpost, man. Like, oh, right. So you just get so into it. Some of y'all are looking at me like I'm crazy, but I have watched you watch Packer games. Okay. So I know that this is not off limits, right? I know for me, when I watch a Packer game, I, I just want to be in the game sometimes. And particularly I'd like to be like Clay Matthews just one time. Okay. Not multiple times. Cause that would be painful. Just once, just to tackle somebody, you know, just me. Okay. Maybe for you it's Aaron Rodgers or Jordy Nelson. I don't know, but you, we've all been in that moment, right? Where you're watching a game and you just want to get off of the sidelines, if you will, and get in the game. You're like, I could do this. I used to coach tennis. And so sometimes as coaching, I'd be like, Hey, hey, just let me have the racket. You coach me from over here and we'll get this, we'll get this thing done. Right. You just want to get in the game. You want to get off of where you're at and get into the game. And so as we're looking at this in the Bible, we find Peter in a very similar situation where he's this excited guy, right? We see it all throughout the Bible where he gets a little sometimes too aggressive, right? And so I can just see him on the boat getting excited like, hey, can I, right? Like, can I get off of the sidelines and get in the boat with you? And what we find is that when human initiative, right? So our initiative, our decisions meets a divine opportunity, we see the miraculous happen in our lives. That when we have this initiative in our lives and we encounter a divine opportunity, whether it's a big opportunity, like who you're going to marry, what job you're going to take, a financial decision, something like that, or small opportunities in your life. Nonetheless, big or small, they are still divine opportunities for us. And when our human initiative encounters that, like we see here with Peter, we can watch the miraculous happen in our lives. And I'm not sure about you, but when I signed up for my faith in Jesus Christ, when, when Jesus, when he called me, when, when he picked me, I, uh, I firmly believe that I signed up for a wild, adventurous walk with Christ. That I didn't relegate my life anymore to the mundane or to the, the day in and day out, but I believe that God can use the day in and day out. That God can use the daily opportunities we have to see this miraculous happen when our human initiative partners with his divine opportunities, all of a sudden our day in and our day out become a miraculous situation. And I believe that all of us in this room are are ready for those moments. How do we do that? How do we partner our human initiative with these divine opportunities to make these things happen? So today that's what we're gonna talk about. I believe the first thing walking on water requires is knowing God. Walking on water requires knowing God. You see, what's very interesting is in verse 26, it says, when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. And in their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. In the middle of this chaos and in the middle of this storm, their first response was not to know who God was. But if you flip back to verse 22, Matthew 14, 22, it says, immediately after this, so immediately after this, what's that, what that is referring to is a miracle that had just taken place. You see, ga- Jesus had gathered the multitudes in and uh, they were hungry, okay? And so they, they, got, they got this little boy who had a couple of fish and a couple of loaves. And what happened was Jesus blessed that food and then the disciples with their hands broke the bread. With their hands, they passed out the fish And with their hands, they received the leftovers after seeing what they had started with. 
You see, they were a part of the miracle. It wasn't just like they had saw the miracle happen. They were actually a part of it. And what we can learn from that is this, that proximity sometimes can deceive us into thinking that we know God. Our proximity can deceive us into thinking that we're intimate with God. You see, being close to God does not mean that you know God. It's like growing up, most of my siblings are out of the house now, and uh, we'll get together on vacation or around Christmas, and we'll talk about stories, right? And we'll say, I cannot believe that mom let you get away with that. Like, how did she, well, how did she didn't know? Like, dad let you do that? Like, oh my God, anybody else tell like war stories, you know, like once you get out of the house and you're like not gonna get in that much trouble, you know? And you're like, yeah, this one time, uh, that was me, you know? Um, and what happens is you find that all of us were in the same place. Proximity, we, were, we lived on the same roof. But as you grow up, you realize that you don't know them like you thought you did. You see it through divorce papers, unfortunately, where couples will say, one day I woke up and I just didn't know my spouse. Proximity sometimes can deceive us into thinking that we know someone. You know, just because we show up to church on a Sunday and we put our volunteer smile on and we're like, yes, we're here. We can sometimes, and I, I find myself this way, sometimes we can deceive ourselves into thinking because we're near Jesus, because we're close to him, that that means that we're intimate with him. You see, Pastor Aaron did such a good job last weekend talking about how prayer wasn't based out of, out of, of a crisis or a need, but it was based out of a relationship with him. See, sometimes we have to understand that our proximity can deceive us, just like the disciples. They had just been used in a miracle, but in their moment of crisis and in their moment of fear, the first thing they say, is it's a ghost because they can't identify Jesus in the middle of a crisis. In order for us to walk on water, in order of us to take uh, human initiative to partner with these divine opportunities, we have to understand what divine opportunities are. We have to know God. See, the second thing is this. Walking on water, it, it requires innovative faith. Walking on water requires innovative faith. You see, sometimes when I read the Bible, just because I like to get, you know, a little bit passionate, um, I'll put myself in the stories, and they don't ever turn out the way they do in the Bible, you know, like, because I wouldn't have done it that way, but it's okay. Um, you know, so if I'm Peter in this moment, you know, I think my first prayer uh, would be, hey, Jesus, if it's you, can you calm the storms? Right? Like, that to me would be a normal response. <laughs> hey, Jesus, if it's you, can you just kind of steady this boat for a minute? Hey, Jesus, if it's you, can, can you calm these waters? And then we'll talk about doing something crazy. But before we get there, can you just kind of adjust the situation for a minute? Can you kind of calm things down for a minute? You see, sometimes I think in our walk and in my walk with Christ, we kind of, we get away from what the Bible says faith is. And we become this like result-driven faith, right? And, and sometimes in our lives, we think that faith is a visible sign of improved uh, uh, signs in our lives. It's a visible sign with improved conditions. We think, hey, if my faith worked, then this person got healed. If my faith worked, well, then this situation worked out a little bit different. But the reality is that when Peter set out, when he was standing on that boat, he wasn't concerned about the conditions. His perspective wasn't based on the conditions. It was based on his source. 
It was based on the source. He just wanted to get close to the source. It wasn't about fixing anything. It wasn't about asking God for anything. You see, Peter didn't ask for a guarantee. He asked for a command. And sometimes in my life, I find myself asking God for a guarantee. Hey, God, I'll do this if you take care of my family. I'll do this if I don't break my heart. I'll do this if I don't lose out on something. I'll do this if... But instead, we find Peter with this innovative faith, not putting his, his concern in his situation or his circumstances, but putting his concern in his source and saying, you know what, I just want to command. Peter walked on one word from God, come. He walked on one word, a command from God. Sometimes we're looking for these guarantees in life when all we need to do is simply ask our Heavenly Father for a command and walk on that command. You see, the crazy thing is Peter failed. Right? He fell. He fell. He started sinking. Jesus helped him up, and they all got back in the boat. And what's interesting is when they got back in the boat, Jesus didn't say, Hey, Peter, you're going to need to go get a towel. You're in timeout because you failed. Everyone, look at Peter. He is a failure. Everyone, observe. This is what happens when you get crazy. You know what I'm saying? We sometimes think God does that. We think that we're in this boat and we see where God wants us to go. We kind of see where he's asking us to go, and we think, you know what, though? I don't have enough faith to get from here to there. I don't think I have what it takes to get off the boat into the water, because at some point between here and there, I think I'm going to mess up. I think I'm going to fail. But all Jesus is asking us to do is not believe in the circumstances or be concerned about those things, but be concerned about the source. To have this innovative faith that says it's not about a guarantee, God. It's just simply about my source. It's simply about what you want me to do, what you would have my family to do. It's interesting that he failed and they get back in the boat and and people weren't concerned about Peter's failure. They weren't concerned that Peter was dripping wet and that he had failed and that Jesus was putting him back in the boat. He didn't walk there and walk back, right? He wasn't moonwalking back in the boat. They weren't concerned about Peter's failure. They were concerned about the success of Jesus. They didn't get back in the boat and say, hey, look, Peter fell and hey, God, you're awesome. They got back in the boat and they said, you are the son of God. You are the son of God. The Bible's very clear that when we lift up our source, when we lift up the name of Jesus, he will draw all men to him. And so sometimes in our lives, when we're in these these metaphorical boats of our lives and, and God's asking us to get out, sometimes it's not about you or your circumstances, but it's about someone who's watching you. You see, everybody in that boat had the opportunity to do what Peter did. In my life, I never want to stay in the boat and watch somebody else walk on water with God. I'm ready to stop looking at circumstances and looking at my source and me get out of the boat and walk on the water. I think it's for every one of us to say, you know what? I'm tired of watching someone else do what God is commanding me to do. Anybody in that boat could have got out and walked on that water, but Peter saw something else. He stopped looking at circumstances and looked at his source. Even though he failed, the name of Jesus was lifted up. Even though he made a mistake, the Son of God was what what made famous in that moment. It takes innovative faith for us to get out of the boat and walk on water. See, the last thing is this. Walking on water, it requires flashback Fridays. Walking on water requires flashback Fridays. Now, my mama is watching this, and, and every time she comes to church, she brings a 
big old Bible with her in her notebook, and she takes notes like crazy. I know it's a big Bible because I've, you know, felt the presence of the Lord on the back of my head sometimes when I was messing up. Y'all know what I mean, right? Just sort of the spirit. And um, some of y'all got cell phones. Some of your parents have cell phones. I'm just saying it's bigger, right? Um, but I know she's watching this right now, so Mama, as you're writing these notes, just write it down. I know you don't know what Flashback Friday means. I know you have no clue, but I'm going to explain it to you in just a minute. Flashback Fridays. See, one of my favorite um, social media outlets is Instagram. Instagram is where you, would, you post pictures and you can kind of put a tagline. I kind of have to pace myself because I get really excited and I like to post a lot, but, you know, not everybody cares, <laughs> right? So I try to, like, pace myself a little bit. And, um, and they have this thing on there where different days there'll be different trends. Okay, so on Tuesday, it's Transformational Tuesday. I don't know what that means, but whatever, okay? Uh, on Thursdays, it's Throwback Thursday. And on Fridays, one of the trends is Flashback Friday, where people will post a picture of a moment in time uh, way back, and then all of the followers, and then they can just kind of reminisce for a moment. Like they have a flashback to that particular moment. You know, a few years ago, I was um, on a mission trip to Costa Rica with some of the ladies in the church. And at this particular service, they were playing heavy metal um, worship. It was very heavy metal driven. And I look back to make sure the team is okay and they're doing all right. And I see a couple of ladies. And you know, ladies, we don't tell how old we are. You know, you don't do that deal. But these ladies revealed their age to me very quickly because they're in the back and they're in this power stance. You know, the heavy metal's taking them back. Like they start rock. I don't know how to do it because I'm not from the 80s, but you know what I'm saying? They're just like rocking out. And I'm like, yeah, like get it. You know, they're having a little flashback moment. And I see some of you guys pulling into a parking lot, Van Halen, you got your windows down and you're just imagining the wind blowing through your mullet. You're just like, yes, those were the days, right? I'm not judging. NSYNC, our Backstreet Boys comes on and I'm just flashback, right? I want it that way, right? I flashback, braces, glasses, seventh grade hair before straightener hello uh if you got hair like me you know what i'm saying all right this straighteners are a necessity thank you god but you have these flashbacks right certain songs certain smells certain places they bring back these moments and they bring them back very vividly and you you remember like little details about these moments and peter in this story i believe is having a flashback friday if you will He's having a flashback to the first time we find Peter in a fisherman's boat. See, the first time we find Peter, he's a young man and he's, his name is Simon. And Jewish tradition would tell us that young Jewish men would all go to school and, and the ones that really learned the scriptures, the ones that were like all-star students, would have a rabbi come to them and say, hey, come follow me. But if you weren't picked by the local rabbi, then you were sent off to do the trade of your father. You were kind of like, hey, sorry you didn't make it, but you can go and do this. And so we find Peter in, in Luke chapter 5. And he, Jesus encounters him. Jesus is there and, and he's on the boat, right? On a fisherman's boat doing the trade of his father. He's kind of been rejected. He's kind of been, hey, said that he's not good enough. And this is what Jesus says to him. Luke 5 verse 10 says, Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. All of a sudden, this rabbi shows up and gives him a purpose. 
This rabbi shows up and says, hey, 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 I think you're good enough. Hey, hey, don't be afraid. We fast forward over to Matthew 14 where, where he's in this boat and, and the storms are going and the waves are turning and, and Jesus says, but Jesus spoke to them at once, don't be afraid. You see, I think in that very moment, all of a sudden, Peter these words, don't be afraid, are echoing in the chambers of his heart because he's remembering the first time he was told that. He's remembering what it was like, the first boat that he was in, when this new rabbi showed up and said, hey, I believe in you. Hey, I think you're good enough. Don't be afraid. And all of a sudden, Peter has this courage rise up within him and says, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That Jesus, he never failed me. Hey, if it's you, if you are the I am, then you've never failed me. You've never let me down. Sometimes in our lives, we need to go back to that first boat we were in, that first time Jesus called us. And remember today that he has not failed you. He has not given up on you yet. This past Christmas, I was home and I was talking to my grandfather and he's like 80, I think. Jesus, if he's younger, oh Lord. Um, and I'm asking him, I'm like, hey, talk to me about when Jesus found you. Like, what was that like? And he begins to tell me and he's got tears in his eyes because he doesn't forget he hasn't lost that memory yet of how sweet it was when Jesus called you out of where you were. He remembers what it was like. You see, Numbers 23 says this. 23, uh, 19 says, God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? Listen, I have received a command to bless. God has blessed and I cannot reverse it. No misfortune is in the plan for Jacob. No trouble is in store for Israel. For the Lord their God is with them. He is proclaimed their king. God brought them out of Egypt. For them, he is as strong as a wild ox. No curse can touch Jacob. No magic has any power against Israel. For now it will be said of Jacob what wonders God has done for Israel. The God that called me as a 16 year old girl in the first boat I found myself in, lost, broken, abandoned, I felt hurt by God. He called me, he said, don't be afraid. You see, all of us in this scenario, we've been called. All of us in this scenario have made, been made promises to by God. You see, God has not given up on you. God has not failed you. God has not forgotten you. God has not abandoned you. He is not a man that he should lie. So that first time that you found Jesus, that first boat that you were in where he spoke life over you, where he gave you a purpose when nobody else would, when he told you you were good enough, when nobody else thought you were, that is the same God. He is not a man that he would lie. He's not a God that he would change his mind. He's not human that he would change his mind. But his promises are yes and amen. That is the God that we serve. That is the gracious God that lifts our head and gives us a hope. We tell students all the time, don't give up on God because he hasn't given up on you. So wherever you're at in life today, maybe you're in here and you're in that first boat where we found Peter and you feel God tugging on your heart. You feel one way, you feel neglected, you feel whatever it is and you, you feel abandoned, but you also feel God tugging on your heart today. Can I tell you that this has been the best decision I have ever made in my life? And I don't mean it cheesy and I don't mean it to sound all Christianese, but I'm telling you this is the best decision I've ever made because God has never left me. He has never abandoned me. So if you're in here today and you're in that first boat 
Can I tell you that he is here? Can I tell you to put your trust and your faith in him today? In a moment, I'm gonna pray. And as I do, the Bible says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, that when we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart that Jesus is who the Bible says that he is, that that's when we're saved. And so when I pray in just a moment, I encourage you to have a genuine conversation with God today. To have a genuine, open conversation with him. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart and allow God to come into your life. Allow him to speak to your heart and speak life over you. And for the rest of us, let's just take a moment and remember that first boat we found ourselves in. Let's pray together. Jesus, we just thank you so much. God, I thank you that your grace is for us today. God, I thank you that you don't change your mind, that when you call us, when you pick us, when you chose us, God, you don't change your mind. Jesus, your word is so clear that we love because you first loved us, that you picked us first, Jesus. So those of us in this room that are having a genuine conversation with you, those of us in this room that are welcoming you into their hearts, Lord, I pray you would surround them, Lord. I pray that your presence would never be so real. Those of us in this room, God, that may have a heart in heart, God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, God, that you would come in. God, that you would come in like a flood, your Bible says, Lord, and that they would feel your presence and not be able to reject it in your mighty name. In your mighty name, I pray. Amen.